Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is awesome to see the different complexes around the world. And once you get on the field, it's the same game. It's kind of cool no matter where you're at. I think it was a great idea to switch it up and come to their home and see their complex. And uh, just to see every couple days how they live. That is Nick Madrigal, White Sox prospect. Nick Madrigal, one of 13 prospects to go um, to the Dominican Republic as part of their cultural exchange program that happened this past offseason. And Ryan McGuffey here from NBC Sports Chicago, along with his friend Chuck Garfine and colleague Chuck Garfine, um, was lucky enough to be on that trip. Who, who else was on that trip, Guff? Uh, James Fegan, I think, I saw. Fegan, that was it. Right? It was, yeah, it was just uh, Fegan, us, and then some, a member of the White Sox, camera, or the White Sox TV crew. That's, That's and, it. And that bit of Madrigal we just played is from a production piece that ran on NBC Sports Chicago and is still out there on the website. Um, this team has more of a Latin flavor and a connection to um, to to that area and for their their young players than than many teams uh, around baseball. What was that like? What did you see happening for those players to learn as they were there on that trip? I'd say it was eye opening um, for everyone on the trip, not just uh, myself, but like for all the guys who were a part of it. And it's just another example that the White Sox have done to bring a group that they are going to, you know hitch the wagon to, so to speak, yeah. in the years going forward that, hey, when these guys come up, and, and they're, this is the, the, the thing that people don't, fans, I should say, don't realize when they sign or trade for like an, an Aloy Jimenez or a Luis Robert. They sign these guys and they just are thrown into the middle of these tinsel towns in North Carolina. And it's like, okay, we need you to hit 350 now and just learn everything. And, Enjoy Winston-Salem. Yeah, there's a Subway and a Clarion Suites down the street. That, those are your options. Yeah. And that's the stuff you immediately realize when you get down there and see the village that Ronaldo Lopez grew up in. And you sit there and go, wow. And he sits there and it's like just pride, right? He's walking you through the dirt streets and of, of their home that their grand, his grandfather still lives in. And mm. he's showing you room by room by room with the mosquito nets around the bed. And it's one of those things that's like, okay, the things that I complain about at home, I need to stop immediately. And I think the players saw that too. They see that the White Sox have this facility where they have like apartment-style living above the complex. And Latin players will stay there for the, the duration of the summer because it's a better situation for them day in and day out. And they're training at the facility. They're living at the facility. Mm-hmm. And it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a spring training complex, but you get all of the feel and flavor of what it's like in the Dominican. And I think the players, it was great because, you know, there was a lot of Spanish speaking, like uh, no English options when you're at the hotel. And so you're trying to order dinner and you're like, uh, hmm, okay, I need to clearly rely on somebody else that knows this language. And it's, it was a little role reversal. You yeah. know, Eloy was probably doing that when the Cubs signed him years ago. And Luis Roberts clearly doing it in Birmingham. 
And it was good for them to kind of say, okay, hey, when this guy's struggling at the major league level and we're teammates at some point down the road, I may realize that it might, there might be something going on in his life that doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but because I mm-hmm. know where this guy came from, I have a little bit more appreciation. And smart to bring though the guys like that, like Dylan Cease was down there, um, some of these other guys who have been coming up with these players and might end up on the majors with them together, and you can have a little bit more of your eyes open to a situation in the clubhouse, realizing that, that these guys come from you know, something that they couldn't comprehend. Maybe they can comprehend it a little bit more. You guys ever see the movie Sugar? There's a great movie called Sugar about a Latin American baseball prospect who ends up in a, you know, living with a host family in some tiny town in the, in the South. And, and it's, it's all in Spanish um, and it's or mostly in Spanish and it's immersive. And it's the kind of thing, if people want to understand what these guys are, are coming from and dealing with as they make their way through the system, it's, it's a good one to check well, out. How about Luis Robert? He's got a, an 11 month old child that he hasn't even seen before in person in Cuba. You know, he's dealing with that right now. Like, it's impossible for anybody listening to this radio station right now to actually comprehend that. It really is. It's just, it's, it's hard to believe and grasp and try to think about what that means while this guy's also playing baseball every day. You know, and for an organization that had such a, uh, a bad relationship with that part of the world for a while, way back when, to have built it to now where they are in terms of being able to attract players... And being a destination of choice for guys like, hey, you want to come here. You want to come here and play here because of this and that and this is a really smart way to, frankly, try to exploit a little bit of a market inefficiency in baseball. And the other thing I think that was, that, that's key here is that the Whites, they, they didn't require these guys to do this. This wasn't like, hey, there's going to be a week in January where we're taking you to the Dominican Republic. Chris Getz called these guys in December and was like, here's what we're thinking about doing. Would you be interested? Every single one of them to a man was like, when and where and how? Hmm. I don't have a passport. Can you help me? I mean, some of these guys never had left the country ever, didn't have a passport. Yeah. And now they're going to the Dominican to see this kind of cultural appreciation type thing. But that's the part of it that jumped out to me, too, is that these guys want to be together in their free time. They like each other. They like hanging out together. They're rooting for each other, knowing that they all have the exact same goal to play for the White Sox, mm-hmm. and also realizing that they probably all won't be the guy who makes the – that their major league debut with the White Sox because they just realized the business of baseball. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's pretty cool that you can have a guy like Zach Collins in Texas right now looking at Birmingham boxing, box scores tonight going, man, I hope, you know, I like Jimmy Lambert and Bernardo Flores and Nick Madrigal and Luis Robert. I, he's rooting for these guys to a man all in the system. And I, that's one example. They're all doing it together. If you don't think that Zach Collins had dozens of, future or possibly former teammates in the system rooting for him the other night when he yeah, had that 447-foot yeah. bomb, you're wrong. I mean, I'm just telling you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the kind of stuff that is supposed to happen with your cadre of young players when you acquire them all, is that you get, they get to know each other, they form bonds together, and then we'll see where they end up along the way. Uh, Textures at 670-11 hopping in. Uh, Jim in Lockport, big White Sox fan, says, Speaks, no Zach Collins today is infuriating. <laughs> Alonzo is playing over him. Absolutely insane. You guys had a lineup over there in, in your hands. We just had the whole conversation about how Zach Collins needs to play. He caught last night. I know he went over four. He saw 20 pitches, made the final out, played the night before, saw 22 pitches, had a homer in three Ks. See more pitches for Zach Collins, but no, McCann, not McCann catching, cleaning up. Sure. Yonder Alonzo. Well, hitting six, hitting six, playing first base. Tim Anderson, shortstop. Oh, Yvonne six, Nova. the end. Yep, yep, yep. So, 
You know, I was told during the break that uh, that Joe Madden said on with our Lawrence Holmes this past week that he's gotten to know Jerry Reinsdorf quite well. Oh, boy, you were really um, stirring the pot. I love it. At the winter meeting. It's just, it's only funny because the timelines continue to to work themselves out in that way. Um, All right, so that sounds like an amazing trip, um, Guff. And And it sounds like... You know, I've been wondering what the White Sox could do from a marketing perspective, Brooks Boyer, in terms of maximizing this, this, this connection that they have, this proliferation of prospects that they have and players here that they have. Should there or are there more are there Latin American nights at guaranteed rate? Should there be more Latin American nights? Vuvuzelas? I mean, yes, like, yes, shouldn't, yes. shouldn't we? Because when you watch the World Baseball Classic on TV... That atmosphere is unrivaled, and that should be replicated if you can down there. In we my went to the Dominican Summer League game while we were there. Yeah. You want to talk about eye opening? I mean, I spent the time, and I know people can't see me, but the entire time I wasn't watching the game, I was going left to right with like, like I was at Disney World for the first time as a nine year old because it's awesome. It is so amazing. The Vuvu sales. In between uh, innings, there's entertainment, there's dancers. The walk-up songs, they continue to play them in between pitches. And they're <laughs> loud. It's really loud. They, the, and the players, I, I was asking them during the game. I was sitting next to Zach and in front of Jimmy Lambert, and I just was like, what would you, how would you guys react to this in the majors? And they, every single one of them were like, this is awesome, and this is what baseball needs to be. If there you a, go. I didn't even know that was, that right. was going to be the answer. And if there's a team that should do it, it's the White Sox. Right. I mean, they, they do the, I mean, there's Greek Heritage Night. There's Halfway to St. Patrick's Day. I mean, they're always into the culture of their fan base, and there is a fan base, obviously, that's Latin with the White Sox. And how about that clubhouse? How many Latin players? They would love it. It mm-hmm. would be so exciting. And you build it. You try it once, and I'm sure it would be a hit, and then you, you make it better the next year. So, uh, Brooks Boyer, if you're listening, uh, here's your idea. I'm telling you, I think, I think <laughs> you do it once a month. Maybe, maybe, maybe you skip April, but you do it from, like, Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day. You do it once a month. And who cares if it pisses off the other team? Seriously, I think the Latin guys from the other team will probably get on board and love it. If they get annoyed by it, so be it. It doesn't matter. It's your night. You own it. And the players, the American board, play, you're giving them a taste of everything. It's awesome. I think, it, I think young fans, the guys you're trying to cater to, Absolutely. they are going to be all in. Yeah. Look at the World Cup when it's every four Is it every four years? I'm sorry. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a soccer, huge okay. soccer fan every I, four years. I, like I was, I've been watching the Women's World Cup. I watch the World Cup when it's on. Those are the times I tune into soccer, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. This is an opportunity to capitalize on something that makes all the sense in the world for you and would make you unique. I'm and, telling you, and, check out that piece. There's a piece that's just a Dominican summer league game, and okay. you can find it on the web, NBCSportsChicago.com. I will. It's like a buck forty-five, and it's Collins. I interviewed Sebia Zavala, and I'm talking to these guys, and they're just like, "This is." They're looking around too, going, "Can we? Can you? Can you turn the camera off me and like look at these people over here? It's yeah. awesome. It's, it's madness." Yeah, and here's the thing: is like. You know, the, the Latinization of baseball is also, on some level, the, the youthifying of baseball. No there is complete crossover there between what Tim Anderson has been fighting for and the kind of atmosphere that you're talking about. It's fun. Yes. It's fun. Pure fun. In yeah. some ways, you're, you're taking what Tim Anderson has yeah. kind of paved. Absolutely. And, you know, one-upping it a little bit. I, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I really do. And, and you've got awesome. personalities in Tim and a personality in Eloy to, uh, to absolutely be, to be right there for it on that kind of thing. Um, when, when Tim Anderson, when the whole thing went down with the Royals and Tim Anderson, I, had, I, I played the one-minute commercial that MLB had put out about let the kids play. Yeah. You know, it ends with Mike Trout saying, yeah. let the kids play. And just how absurd it is that there's 
any sort of infighting around baseball and in the broadcast industry that when MLB itself has gone out and made the ad campaign. How about the hypocrisy? Now, granted, I'm sure it was some kid who works in the social media department for the Kansas City Royals, but you notice they had a softball game and Patrick Mahomes played. This is like that, oh, a yeah. few weeks later. He flips his bat in, in, in a softball game at you know Kauffman Stadium and the Kansas City Royals' Twitter account put it out and celebrated. Yeah. The bat flip of Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> after, <laughs> and they put it in slow motion, <laughs> yeah. and they were loving it. I mean, big time. Oh, right, right, right. God. And I couldn't help but notice when the Wellington, that one's like a seal, Wilson Contreras, yeah. like bat flipped and celebrated on the bases with his home run against Giolito. I yeah. mean, the Sox had no problem with it, and they shouldn't, but could you imagine if Wilson Contreras did that against the Kansas It only Royals? has 1.2 million views on Kansas uh, That's City amazing. Royals, you know, I, I think a lot of baseball fans have had their moment of, uh, of epiphany or realization when it's been about their own guy, yeah. right? You have your moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I can't really do that anymore. <laughs> My own wife was like a huge Cubs fan, right? I remember, I forget who she was, she was griping about, somebody who was celebrating, like, come on, act like you've been there before. And I said, how do you feel when Pedro Strope like, really pumps his fist or after a strikeout? She goes, oh, I hate it. No, I don't. No, I don't. But she had a moment where she tried to lie about it and then immediately realized she couldn't anymore. Yeah, I, I, I go back to when Nick Swisher was playing for the Indians and he had a walk-off against the White Sox. I was so pissed. Mm-hmm. He was, like, celebrating. and look, like, look at me. Look at me. Well, if I'm an Indians fan, I'm loving it. Yes. And he did that when he was with the White Sox. Now he didn't have a great season. Yes. But, I mean, he, he was like that because he was, you know, our guy. And when he's your guy, you love it. When he's not the, your guy, you hate it. And, and there is this clash, and it's there, understandably, but I, I actually really liked the way that Madison Bumgarner talked about this a couple of weeks and, uh, ago with Max Muncie, and I'll tell you why. Because he didn't throw at anybody. He Good just point. said, yeah. he said, I don't like it. And he went up and he got in, his, he got in Muncie's face. And afterwards he said, hey, you want to let them be them? Let me be me. You know what? He was right. Because all that. he did was say it. And he wants to say he's a grumpy guy and he likes it old school. Okay, say it. Own it. Don't throw at anybody. And he didn't do that. I thought that was completely healthy. Yeah, didn't think about that at all. And right? I totally agree with right? you. It's, it's like the way we want to have conversations and talk radio. Right? Yep. It's like, be who you are. Yep. Own it. It's all right. No problem. All right. Um, I mentioned that we'd talk about one of the most compelling managers in baseball history in this town, and we didn't do it yet. So we'll do it when we come back on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I know it was cold and raining. Yeah, it was nasty out there. And the ball's juice. The ball's juice. Yeah, the when they're blowing the down, oh, right now, when they're blowing away, when the flag went to right field. I think the ball's a little harder. Ah, I think the ball's juice. All right. Something's up. We have <laughs> something is up. up. Uh, it's Ozzy Gian, along with Bill Melton, her Doug Glanville in there, Layla Rahimi, a big pile of your NBC Sports Chicago friends. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 Score. Final segment here with Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey. Thanks for the time, guys. Enjoying yeah, it been fun. very much. Um, so I had a realization about Ozzy Gian uh, this week because on Tuesday at Wrigley before the game, 
as Ozzy's walking around on the field. And that field, I saw you guys there, is just... It was chaotic and really fun before that game. You get both medias in town, and I haven't seen Darren Jackson in a while. What a warm, wonderful guy Darren Jackson is, right? All these different people seeing each other, guys walking across from dugout to dugout, around the back, around BP. And Ozzy Guillen's there, and Wilson Contreras and Carlos Gonzalez make a beeline for Ozzy Guillen. They go up to him. So, holding, like giving him hugs, holding on. They pose for a picture with somebody else who was there who they knew. Like, would you take a picture of us with Ozzy Gann? This is Ozzy's place among the Venezuelan players, but I think a lot of Latin players yes. around baseball. Have you seen this? Yes, yes. Okay. So talking about it with my wife, who's, who's, um, who's part Mexican, and she's saying to me, Ozzy is himself. He is unapologetic about who he is, you can still have trouble understanding his words sometimes. He's, and just as we talked earlier about Eloy being aggressive and learning the language and how that's a good thing, Ozzy's like, just desire to staunchly be himself and screw you, I'm not changing for anybody, is for a lot of Latin players who are trying to fit in and have tried to find their place, Ozzy has declared his place, still completely lives in it. And this is why he's as respected as he is by a lot of Latin players. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And uh, they respect him. He's got connections throughout the game. You know, why he's not a manager it's just, it is you know, surprising to me because I, I sit next to him watching White Sox games because he's doing pre and post with us. And yeah. what he sees, I mean, he's got a baseball mind. He's like a, I don't want to call him a genius, but I mean, if there's a baseball genius, he's got the, the, the instincts, he knows the game, and, you know, he has a lot of fun, and he says some things that, you know, you don't expect, but, the, you know, he's funny, he sometimes is, 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 is like a comic, but when it comes to baseball, he knows it backwards and forwards, and I learned so much as watching a game with him. Does he want to be managing? Yeah, I mean, why would he not want to be a manager? Why isn't he managing? That's a whole other question. I can't answer that one. I can, I can come up with theories. Is it, be, is it because of a version of what I just said about him staunchly wanting to just be himself and stay there? I think a lot of GMs want a safe manager that they can control. Yep. I mean, I think that's a lot of, you know, it, it, and even when he was, you know, when, when the only reason it worked, I shouldn't say the only reason, but the main reason why it worked with the White Sox, White Sox, because they have a history with Ozzy. They get him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was like a son to Jerry Reinsdorf. He was close with Kenny Williams. I mean, that's why it worked. Uh, with the White Sox in the beginning. So I, I, you, know, you have to find an owner, and you have to have a GM with really thick skin who's willing to say, you know what, Ozzy, you be you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm confident in myself, and you can be our manager. I, I don't, don't know how many of those exist. Yeah, I don't understand why the, the superstar manager can't exist anymore. I can understand why the 5 or $6 million manager is going to be going away. But Ozzy Guillen doesn't want to manage for five or six million dollars. I, I just know that for a fact. So do you, Chuck? And don't get me wrong; he would take the five or six million dollars. But you have to take chances in this game in order to succeed. And if Ozzy Guillen is the best person to take your club to the next four, plus, what's wrong with marketing your club around your manager? Well, they tried it in Miami with him. Well, exactly that. That's right. And he 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 was. He was a little too much of himself and too abrasive. He said some stuff about Castro that pissed people off, and who else knows what happened? I think he was probably a little. I think if he would even tell you, he was a little too out in front of his skis a little bit in terms of how he left here, yeah. how he got there, 
Jeffrey Loria as a whole. That, that, that thing was bound to be a disaster. That's, yeah. Well, Loria and Samson. Samson is yeah. now in the media. Oh, my God. But they were both horrific guys at the time. But with the right club and the right city and with the right owner, I think there is a place for Ozzie Guillen to manage <clears> again. I really do. And I think there, there would be a successful Ozzie Guillen. I think he's learned a lot. He's grown up a lot. Do we still get to laugh at what he might say next? Absolutely. That's why we hired him as our analyst. Yeah. Because he's going to give you, he's going to tell you the truth, and he's going to be able to open your eyes while Chuck is sitting there watching a game with him and going, "Wow, like I did not. How did you see that?" You know, I, I don't know. As you say, the superstar manager. I'm, you know, I'm thinking and looking around. Who is the superstar manager these days? If it's Joe, Joe if, Madden, Joe probably Madden. is the only right. one. And and Joe, and look what's happening to Joe Madden this yep. year. I know. What's happening to Joe Madden this year is that Theo and Jed are around a lot more, is that they hired a couple of coaches without him really having a lot of input this on said coaches. This goes back to control. Yes, it These does. GMs want to control their managers. And right. like you see who they've been hiring in Texas and all over the the game it's like these are guys who are like who's that yeah he's them he's managing yeah and there's the guy I, I always reference it the guy in tampa who's on the coaching staff wearing a uniform he's 28 years old he's a princeton grad he's their analytics coach yeah. full uniform and, and that's fine so the nerds have won congratulations <laughs> um and i say that as 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 part nerd yeah you know lord knows i'm i'm part nerd i was just praising target field for having launch control and exit velo on every batted ball but you know it's like yes there is a level of control I always I think back to the World Series, and every time they showed Alex Cora, he was looking to the right down the bench. They showed Alex Cora debating a big decision. He's looking to the right down the bench to whoever was in conversation <laughs> with, with the guys upstairs. That's just the way uh, it is these days. Yeah. I mean, you're taking a lot of the instincts away, and Ozzy's got great instincts. And mm-hmm. you'll see, he, it's not just the situation. And he, as he's watching the game, he doesn't know what the whole story is in the bullpen. And, and we as fans... And in the media know. don't know. You could right. be like, well, why aren't they going to yep. Colome here? Well, maybe Colome's got something. You know, you just, you right, know, right, right. You never know. You just never know what really was going on. But, you know, he just uh, – and, and he's, you know, he's, he's called he's, – he's questioned some of the decisions that Renteria has made. And he has given a lot of credit to Renteria for, for moves that he has made on the air. So I, I give him a lot of credit mm-hmm. uh, because you could say this is a tough spot. Here's Ozzy on a post-game show after a, a White Sox game, and it's a White Sox loss, and maybe there's a game where Renteria and the coaching staff didn't have a good game. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's gone he's, – I think he's, he's honest – and that's all you can ask for. That, that, that's what, what fans always loved about him. I always also think of the game. We have the cut somewhere where he goes, and Danks pitched well, about John Danks <laughs> pitching well. But really, that is the last two seconds of a minute and two seconds of glory where he just destroyed the way his team played. He came out and told the truth about how badly the White Sox played that day. And then as he walked away, he said, and Denks pitched well because that was the one little bit of yeah. praise. But the fact that he told the truth, people are like, "Oh, that's my guy." And do you think maybe by telling the truth is that's that's the problem scares the hell out of anybody wanting to hire a guy? Absolutely, like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're yeah. gonna they're they're gonna go through the, the candidates. So say they they say a team says, "Okay, let's talk to Oz again," and mm-hmm. now we got three candidates we're gonna choose from. You know, in the end, I mean, who's gonna who what right. what team's gonna go look, be, is gonna say? Ozzy's our guy. Now, I, I would hope that sometime in the future, 
that might happen. But chances are, with the way the game is now, they're going to go the safer route. Texters at 6711, uh, Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch are superstar managers. Those are partners. Because they won. They're, they, I mean, you they've... can't just say, well, they're superstar managers because their teams have won. Their, their teams have won. So maybe eventually their ego will, for, will allow them to kind of push against the front office. But those are prime examples of the modern partnership funny, manager. Funny how Texter didn't mention Aaron Boone. I mean, he's won just as many games. He just hasn't won the World Series. I mean, in theory, mm-hmm. he's never managed before. Right. Never managed before. He's another guy that just pluck and play. Right. Honestly, you know? I think it'd be interesting if a, if a team were to have the uh, audacity maybe to hire Ozzy as the bench coach to their to their uh, I mean, I would, guy. I would love it. I See, now that that's, that's the role. Yeah. If he could ever embrace yeah. it. You'd be like I the, think you could embrace it. You'd be, I really do. You'd be the Latin Don Zimmer. Yep. And be the curmudgeon aging into your dotage, just advising guys on your instincts while they're the ones while you know they're the ones being the partner with the guys upstairs. But that manager has to have thick skin and right. trust Ozzy because he's gonna he's gotta think like I mean <laughs> Ozzy knows more than I do about baseball. He's my bench coach. You yeah. know what? I think, and, and he says all these things. Yeah. I think that's why Davey Martinez is probably a really great bench coach and not a great manager. I think he, that, that was his role. Mm-hmm. He, re, he, he was as close to anybody on that Cubs team when he was here. Anybody. Anthony Rizzo to Pedro Strope, that guy connected with everybody. I saw him work at Clubhouse better than anyone I've seen as a, in a coaching staff. Mm-hmm. He just got it. They got him. When they won the division, he was toasting. He led the toasts. Maybe that there's a, that, that there could be a role for a guy who can connect to every guy in that clubhouse. Yeah, that doesn't have to be the manager. Pretty good tambourine player too. I shared a <laughs> microphone um, with him at a hot stove, cool music yeah. a few years ago. Like and an underrated nugget. Yeah, he looked he looked pretty good on tambourine. Okay, looked, wow. looked pretty. I'll, I'll tell you who was really bad on Maraca was John Maley. Just horrific. Yeah. There's there's video out there. It's when Eddie Vedder's doing rocking in the free world at the end, and like everybody's up there, and Maley's like just. Awful on the maraca, completely out of time, and then he threw it into the crowd. Oh boy! Six hundred dollar maraca Ooh. that John Maley threw away, but that's not why you called. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves would like to thank their loyal fans for making this twenty fifth anniversary so special. Thank you, and see you in October. You know the kind of manager that would make sense for the White Sox is a a superstar of sorts, but a guy who would be a partner for the front office and would also help them ramp forward in their openness to analytics and modern stuff like that. And I just can't think of anybody who might be available in this coming offseason who might make sense. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> At least you're ending it the way we started it, right? It all comes full circle. <laughs> Where's Tim Anderson hitting again today? Sixth? Six? Where's Madison's South Side Post? Madden's Madison's South Side Post. I'm sure Billy at, at the Cork will make some space. <laughs> lend him a building here. He can go ahead and do that. <laughs> Gentlemen, this was very fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for thanks having, for having us. Absolutely. It was a great. Blast, you got it. That is uh, Ryan McGuffey and Chuck Garfine from NBC Sports Chicago. Now get out of here. We're out. We gone. It's enough, for God's sakes. Thanks, guys. That was really fun. Bruce Levine at the top of the hour. Talking some Cubs and the latest news, there is uh, a roster move for the Cubs as well as we take it towards Cubs pregame at 1245. When we come back, my favorite sports story of the weekend. That's next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. And yes, it's baseball. And the 2-1 pitch to Albert Pujols. Albert hits it a ton out to deep left. He gave us 11 years of memories we'll never forget. He's just given us another.
That's a long crowd reaction, and a deserved one, too. For Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols in St. Louis, as the Anaheim Angels, or the LA Angels of Anaheim, in St. Louis, and Pujols back there for the first time since his Cardinals days. And he homered yesterday, and the place went crazy. I love curtain calls on the road. Albert got one yesterday after homering there in St. Louis. The moment with the subtle coolness to me was Friday. And, you know, maybe it's not too subtle if you know what you're watching. But if you, if you didn't, Pujols gets introduced for the first time. And Yadier Molina steps out in front of the plate and just kind of hangs out there in front. And that buys him time to just soak it in as much as he wants. His old teammate Molina. Camera cuts over to Adam Wainwright. I think those three guys are the only ones left from on that field at the time from, uh, from when Pujols was there as a player, but pretty cool. And I, I just I love subtle stuff like that. You remember when you Darvish stepped off the mound when Jake Arrieta and the Phillies were back here at Wrigley when Jake had come back and Jake stepped up to the plate and got a big standing ovation and Darvish was the pitcher, but he stepped off the mound and gave the crowd time and gave Jake time to turn around and react. That's the good stuff. And, you know, there's little stuff like that all the time in baseball. Where did I see, where was I watching the other day, where it looked like the catcher got shaken up just a little bit, so the umpire walked the baseball out. might have been Contreras, where the umpire walked the baseball out to the pitcher to hand him the new pitcher, so the catcher just had a minute to kind of, like, shake the cobwebs off or or whatever had been going on. And then the ump kind of cleans off the plate. It's like little stuff like that that they do to buy each other time that usually the broadcasters won't bother to point out because um, it's just it, it's not elemental to what you're watching, but it enables moments like that. Baseball has uh, a unique way and a unique spacing for allowing for moments like that along the way. And that was great stuff in St. Louis yesterday. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel with you. Bruce Levine will join us at the top of the hour. My favorite baseball story of the weekend was this one. Wilkin Castillo played last night. Did, did you guys see this stuff? Do you know who Wilkin Castillo is? He's a catcher, played for the Marlins um, last night. And that was his first MLB hit, his first MLB game in a decade. Go back to June 20th, 2009. Where were you? I had just, I had just finished my first week uh, with Dan McNeil on middays here at the score. June 20th, 2009. Wilkin Castillo was playing against the White Sox as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. He tore his right labrum as a member of the Reds and thus began 10 years of rehab then playing in the minors, then getting hurt again, more rehab, playing in the Mexican League, playing winter ball in the Dominican League, last year playing for the Long Island Ducks in the Independent League, 813 games that were not played in Major League Baseball over the last 10 years for Wilkin Castillo. And then there he is last night playing for the Marlins, had a two-run double, off the wall to put the Marlins ahead last night. Pretty cool. He had an RBI, obviously uh, two last night. 
He had an RBI in that game on June 20th, 2009 as well. That means he has an RBI streak that spans more than 10 years. (laughs) 10 years and two days. But it's a streak. It's also a batting streak that spans more than 10 years. In fact, he's the first player in MLB history with an RBI streak spanning more than 10 years. Crazy. Good for him. Good for Wilkin Castillo. Um, two players from that game from June 20th, 2009, other than him, are still playing and active in MLB. One of them is Jay Bruce, uh, the Cincinnati Reds at the time, and now a member of the Phillies as they try to pick up the pieces after Andrew McCutcheon went down. And Gordon Beckham, because Gordon Beckham is still in the big leagues playing for the Detroit Tigers. Crazy. So that's my favorite baseball story of the weekend. Uh, phone lines are open if you want to hop in on anything regarding Cubs and White Sox, as we have been discussing all morning on Hit and Run. 312-644-6767 is the number. You can text us at 67011 right there and get to us that way. You can get to me at Twitter at Matt Spiegel 670 Another day, another first for the Dodgers. On Friday, the first time a starting pitcher has ever Struck out 15 or more and walked nobody with the Dodgers ever. And that was Walker Bueller on Friday night. A game that was won uh, via a walk-off home run by Matt Beatty, their rookie first baseman. Then last night, Alex Verdugo with a walk-off home run. That is the second straight walk-off win. Second straight walk-off home run from a rookie. That's never happened before. The Dodgers are unreal, man. They really are. It's uh, the, what the Dodgers are doing and what the Astros are doing has, has set them, uh, in my opinion, pretty far apart from uh, the rest of, uh, of baseball in terms of overall as an organization. Meanwhile, the Twins have the best record in the American League and the Yankees have the second best record. So the Astros going 2-8 and eight in the last 10, losing seven in a row, have come back to the pack in the American League. Looking at the standings, by the way, and you're listening to Hit and Run here on 670 The Score, do you realize what is going on in the National League Central? Every division in baseball, okay? Every division in baseball has a spread between first and second of at least five and a half games. American League East, Yankees over the Rays by five and a half. Central, Twins over the Indians by nine games. West, Astros over the Rangers by six and a half, over the A's by seven. National League East, Braves over the Phillies by five and a half. National League West, Dodgers over the Rockies by 12. Dodgers have won eight of their last 10, including five in a row. Have a 12-game lead in that division. So five and a half is the spread at a minimum for every division, except for the National League Central. Five and a half is the spread from top to bottom. The fifth-place team in the Central is the Pirates, five-and-a-half games back. The Reds are just four-and-a-half games back. The Cardinals are one game back of the Cubs. The Brewers just a half game back of the Cubs. Man, this division has been there for the grasping for either the Cubs or the Brewers, and they have not done so. Will it come back to bite them? Very possibly. It's, uh, it certainly happened last year that things came down to that final, final game, that every little game matters, and that could be the case here. Last place is five and a half games behind first place. Cubs have lost eight of 12. 
The Brewers had lost seven of eight before winning yesterday, but they're still three and seven in their last ten. And uh, the Cubs are going to be making some moves bullpen-wise, and they have already begun. We'll give you the latest on it at the top of the hour with our man Bruce Levine. First, let's go to the phone lines. This is Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on 670 The Score. You're on Hit and Run. What's up, Tony? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call, and uh, I'm sorry for the non-specificness of this <laughs> statement, but uh, this is the same, and I'm a Cubs fan, so it's a Cubs-related one. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about the same team that can't hit with runners in scoring position going on a couple of years now. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is historically bad at it. They've done, uh, you know, studies on Bleacher Nation, things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a point, guys, where I, I guess I just, guys. how can we have this much talent and be underperforming this bad? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just, and I don't see a way out of it. We have, uh, I mean, cosmic light years more talent than everybody there. The Brewers, two guys on one-year contracts, and Moustakas and Grandal, that are the only thing carrying Yelich. And look at us. $200 million payroll, and we're horrible. I'm, like, I, I don't I'm, think... I'm you're, not, you're, not, you're, you're not horrible. Um, the, the Cubs are not horrible. Tony, thank you for the call. You're in first place by half a game. In terms of runners in scoring position, uh, in terms of OPS... Around baseball, the Cubs are 15th out of 30 teams in baseball. Um, it's not as bad as it feels, nor as bad as you just uh, gave voice to it. I understand your frustration because situations, it is maddening to see a guy on third and less than two outs and see people not, um, not have contact. But around, around baseball... Look, and I actually heard Len and J.D. talking about this uh, yesterday. You have to hit home runs to score runs these days. This is, this is the way it is. Because, I mean, of your top home run teams in baseball, many of them are your highest scoring teams in baseball and your best teams in baseball. The Twins have the best record in the American League. They've hit the most home runs. The Brewers are third. The Dodgers are fourth. The Yankees are fifth. The Astros are sixth. The Oakland A's are seventh. The Cubs are eighth. Atlanta is ninth. That's eight out of nine being among the best teams in baseball. The one who's not is Seattle, and um, that's on the strength of their remarkable start in terms of power and the fact that they've played five games more than Minnesota. Those are your top nine teams in terms of uh, in in terms of home runs, you have to slug. You must slug. In terms of runners in scoring position, Colorado's the best. Now that's in large part aided by their ballpark, where there's so much room to hit because the air is thin. The outfielders play deeper, and more singles fall in. The Washington Nationals are second with runners in scoring position. Texas is fifth. Cincinnati's sixth. Arizona's seventh. You know, it's though it's not it is frustrating to watch, but it is not as correlative as it feels. I just it, it's it's a difficult concept to grasp. It's why it's why pitch, hitting coaches change all the time, because what they're asking is for individual hitters, most of whom are steeped with launch angle steeped um, with their particular analytics-based approach in terms of the contact point, like David Bodie of having that contact point 
out in front, like Justin Turner of the Dodgers, like all these different guys who are hitting in this style and are oftentimes scouted and acquired and developed in that style are then asked at the big league level to change the way they do it with two strikes or change the way they do it with runners in scoring position. And it's really, really hard. So there's A, the willingness, B, the understanding of the message, C, the teaching of the message, all of that, and then D, the fact that you might be trying and it's just hard. And then E, the fact that you actually tried and did it and hit it hard and it just happened to be right at somebody. All that stuff is in there. That's why this game is confounding. That's why the hitting is confounding. And as I said, that's why coaches change as much as they do. So uh, I understand the frustration, but you need those home runs, which means you need guys to swing that way. And then you want them to adjust and be like Rizzo, but not everybody is that good. This is Bob and Joliet on 670 The Score. Bob, you're on with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run. Good morning. Hey, Matt, thanks for uh, taking my call. I want to be uh, thankful today versus ripping into the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs fans are doing enough of that uh, lately. Hey, I'm thankful that uh, I get to listen to your station primarily on weekends, and now you're on the weekends, and I really appreciate and am thankful for your passion for baseball. I have it as well. Um, in the 1930s, uh, the Ivy was introduced to Wrigley Field as a marketing gimmick. One of the first websites I look at in the morning is MLB to see the most exciting plays. First to third, first to home, running a guy out at home. The Cubs fans and really Wrigley Field are missing one of the most exciting plays in sports. The, the guy running to the, uh, to the outfield wall, uh, colliding into the padded uh, uh, padding of the outfield wall and making a catch. What... Has the ivy and the vines, has the time, has it gone by, has it left? I mean, these guys are a lot more athletic. And um, what what do you think? I want to get your opinion. you think the ivy will ever be, uh, you know, someone will take some roundup to it. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Bob wants Bob wants to kill the ivy. Wants to, he wants to take round it. Bob's going to do it himself. Doesn't want it removed. Wants to, <laughs> wants to kill it. That's awesome. But what's the problem with the ivy? You want to see more guys bouncing into the wall and making plays out there? It is different, and you don't have uh, guys robbing home runs at Wrigley because there's a basket up there and they can't even reach, and they're terrified of going up against the ivy. Um, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime in our entire lifetimes unless somebody somehow impales themselves on it and uh, loses a couple of pints of blood out there on the warning track. Then maybe they'll, <laughs> they'll make some kind of change. But it's, it's a huge part of the charm and, uh, and the attraction. Do you know how many ashes of fallen loved ones are mixed into the ivy out there, Bob? If you take Roundup to that, you're taking Roundup to the ashes of the ancestors of Cub fans. Is that what you want to do, Bob? You know, I've always thought it'd be a nice home field advantage if they put poison ivy out there <laughs> instead of the regular ivy. Make sure no one wants to go near it. Man, I think I can't remember if Bob is the same guy who um, who called to praise me one other time and then and then just went in a very odd direction. I don't know, but that was a lot of praise on the front end and then very odd direction. But he's he he would like to see guys being able to run into the wall and to climb up the wall. 
at Wrigley. I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, Bob. But appreciate your passion for baseball, man. Thank you for calling. Thank you for being involved. That was, uh, that was fun. 670, the score is where you are. It is hit and run. I'm Matt Spiegel. We'll come back. We'll talk to Bruce Levine in advance of Cubs pregame at 1245 because uh, some moves are happening with the Cubs bullpen. And I think we have a little more clarity on the Craig Kimbrell situation. That's next right here on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 